Cut the music. <laughs> you know cut what? It, just like cut it like straight down. Yeah, I I just uh I just don't want to deal with this <laughs> intro shit today. You don't want any back. If any. We, no, I, I just want to get right into it. I'm sick and tired of people asking me what the show is. It's your introductory guide to first issues on a week to week basis. Yeah. Okay. And for- are we clear? <laughs> You're not even gonna tell them it's first issues. First issue specifically, yeah. So for, it's a reading club for first issues. It's also in the it, title, though. It has been for 230-some-odd episodes. Yeah. Five years-ish. <laughs> I'm done with the music intro. Yeah, we've hit it. Okay. Great. All right. Well, that, that's another way to do an intro. It is, isn't it? <laughs> we've got two great books we're going to talk about today. Maw on Boom and Primordial on Image Comics. Two oh, yeah. fantastic indie publishers. Indie books. There wasn't a lot going on in the uh, in the big two world. There was a Titans book. Yep. I yeah. Am Batman Oh yeah. started yeah. today. Uh, there's another Fortnite thing <laughs> that came out on DC. Can't get enough <laughs> Fortnite comics. So we went straight to the indies because that's where the action's at. Yeah, yeah. You can rely on First Issue Club to pick up the hot, hottest indies. We gravitate towards them. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I'm not a big Marvel fanboy. Or even a DC fanboy. I've turned into more of a DC fan over the last couple of years. You have. I'm yeah. making a bit of a, a switch. A heel turn, if you will. A heel turn. I dip my toe in, and ooh, I like the temperature. Before we get into those comics, we're going to talk about a little bit of comic book news, um, which I wanted to start out with by saying goodbye to a fond friend. Zeb Wells' Hellions is ending at issue 18. Oof. Kind of big X-Men news. They're bringing back Madeline Pryor, mm. a.k.a. the Goblin Queen. Are you familiar with this character? Uh, the G-Queen? The G-Queen, right. (laughs) (laughs) So she's a clone of Jean Grey. Okay. And if you read, like, a certain era of 80s comics, like, this was the Jean Grey in those comics. Okay. Looked like her, talked like her. Scott was in love with her. Uh, She was that character for a period of time. And then when Jean came back, everyone was like, Oh, we want the real Gene I to want be the real our friend yeah. again. Yeah. And so you kind of understand why Madeline turned out to be a villain. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> I feel bad for her. But they're so, bringing her back. So, I, yeah, and I kind of hope they bring her back in like a hero capacity and everyone makes amends. I would love to see that character be brought back in a different light. So that'd be fun. Zeb Wells is on to, um, I guess, not necessarily greener pastures, but much more prominent. Because he's bigger kinda, books. He's he's gonna be leading the um, amazing Spider-Man charge. Okay, once per- Nick perfect ends. book for him. Yeah, because he has that little bit of comic edge. To he him. he's a funny guy, mm-hmm. and and can write a serious heavy book in the same uh, space. So and if excited you're, for him. If his name was like Zach before he started to be in the public eye, changing his name to Zeb. Really great branding because it's like quirky, fun. Yeah, who else is named Zeb? You're he's such a standout <laughs> in the name arena. Your funny pal and guy, uh, comic author. This is the first issue promise. <laughs> We're gonna make goofs and gabs about names. 
last names, first names, middle names. Whatever the name is, it just hits us. Mm-hmm. From time to time. <laughs> so just wait for them. Right. Maybe we'll do some fun yeah. sound effects if we if make we, some name jokes later. Yeah. If we don't have actual analysis about comics, we can always talk about a name. Yeah. Someone's <laughs> name might rhyme with another name we know. And then that's a great gag to go with. It's so funny. And we'll keep it rolling for minutes. Next on our news hit list is the old man versus back. Uh, oh, Are oh. you excited at all? Um, <laughs> I haven't been really excited about the old Maniverse, but it's like, it's a great, like, uh, mediocre reliable. Like, they're never that bad. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a couple things to be excited about okay. with this, like, new upcoming event. So it's essentially five one-shots. The, are, each... are they, and they're calling it the old Maniverse because we dubbed it that? No, they call it the, the Wasteland series oh, or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, whatever. So, but I think everyone else calls it old man Perfect. Averse. Uh, Hawkeye's getting one. Okay. Doctor Doom is getting one. Hawkeye has been in them. And but, Wolverine but... is getting one, which they've all, all three of those have been fixtures yes. of the Marvel Wasteland where okay. they're all old men. Star-Lord. I think Star-Lord was in one before. He, he had his own line, too, I think. So he's yeah. back. So the new one we're getting is line. Black Widow. They should call comic books people the line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, uh, Star-Lord's back. Got it. Okay. Yep. And Black Widow's the new character that's being introduced. Ooh. And I think it's a different Black Widow. They said it's a quote-unquote new character. They're not going to age the so female? So I don't know if that's Natasha Romanoff or what, but it is an older woman with white hair. Okay. Good. So finally, we have an old woman averse. Yes, exactly. Great. It's long overdue, Marvel. Um, interesting thing about this, too, is that Wolverine discovers a baby Hulk okay. that he's looking after. A la Baby Yoda, I'm assuming. Right. Or, um, or, I'm, my or, guess is it's directly inspired by... Or Baby Thanos. Mandalorian. From uh, Ghost Rider. Sure. Yeah. We love ourselves <laughs> some tiny baby characters. I, Somewhere Scotty Young was, I was like, gonna say, why the fuck didn't they call me? Scotty Young has to shit himself if there's ever an introduction of a baby character and he is an ass to and do he's it. not called. Yeah. He's like, what, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. That's like making chocolate and not calling Count Chocula mm-hmm. to come be your... Spokesperson. Yeah. I always try to be in within earshot when he gets the call and finds out about these things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I go, that's gotta hide. <laughs> and I get such great laughs, but only if I time it and I'm within earshot of him when he hears the news that he's not getting it. He is a local, so I, 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 that story has some truth lakes to he it. Can, well, I can track him down. We could, yeah. If I wanted to find him, there's we're probably... A few degrees from we probably like know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Miles with him, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He designed my friend's tattoo. Oh, really? That's yeah, cool. Yeah, custom to just him. Uh, to her, yeah. To her, yeah. Why I'm gendering too many things lately <laughs> on this pod. So shame uh, on me. Yeah, so we definitely could find him, Scotty. You watch out. We're gonna. <laughs> well, you sorry, I didn't mean to step. You you already. Constantly find him when you're in earshot and, yeah. and say you're, you're patented Mike D line. So don't give him a heads up or warn him <laughs> or tell him to look out. I just want to sneak up on him like I always have been. Hawkeye trailer, did you see that? Okay. I got. Oh, takes a coming. Uh, I got a couple things on this. One, inadvertently, 
you re- may remember my patented viewing of uh, the Spider-Man trailer was I'm so annoyed by whatever is going to happen already. <laughs> was without sight. You um, listened to the Spider-Man trailer and then came to just talk about what you heard last time. <laughs> In the Hawkeye trailer, I've only seen it with subtitles. I have not heard it. Why? <laughs> because it was on my Twitter feed and I was in a meeting. You watched it during a meeting? Yes. Shame. I watched it instantly when it came out. <laughs> you just have to. You've got a responsibility. I have. I. I do the first issue. I podcast. Work, I work on a comic book podcast. This trailer drops. I have a. It's my job. You're it's willing to put your other job two, at risk. Yeah, two jobs happening at once. I had to do it. And it. One thing is that it comes across very more Christmassy than they probably want it to. If you're just reading it, for those in the deaf community, they probably thought this was a very Christmassy trailer. Because yeah. it's constantly saying, like, the Christmas song that's being played. I think it came across as Christmassy as someone who wasn't reading closed captions. Okay. Well, there you go. It's a very diehard-esque, is it not? Okay. The other thing is, have we come so far in the pandemic that we, we're now going to get our shits and giggles off and think Hawkeye is really awesome now because we just are so starved for, like, anything? <laughs> <laughs> there was a scene in this where Jeremy Renner is talking to his daughter and he's like, don't worry, baby, I'll be back for Christmas. Yeah, that sounds like Jeremy Renner. And I was like, whoa, this guy can't even get lines out. Like, how is he going to, like, star in an entire eight-episode series? It is my least favorite Marvel character and my least favorite actor. <laughs> <laughs> but I was still a little bit excited, excited it about it. Fun. Yeah, And we've got our... Kate Bishop character. Oh yeah, that don't know is the best part. Young young woman who takes up the mantle of Hawkeye in the comics. So this is kind of a passing of the torch, and I'm assuming that if I'm assuming Jeremy Renner might step away from the Marvel universe in the near future. We got to get these old guys out of here. Totally, I 100. They're they're done. Goodbye. Besides uh, Hemsworth, he's he's (laughs) eternal. Yeah. 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 Uh, super hot, <laughs> really sexy guy. Otherwise, you need one sexy white guy. That's it. And then can we share the space a little? Goodbye. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. I was thinking like, man, Bruce Willis lasted way longer than people thought he would have. Like Bruce Willis? Being like an action superhero kind oh, of guy. Oh, that's like, a good point. Yeah. It's like, do we really need 55-year-old heroes like that? Okay, mm. but so did Robert Downey Jr. Did you know he was 63 when Oof. they shot... Infinity War. Really? And he had... Uh, Dude looked good. And he had like a four-year-old daughter in that movie. <laughs> it was like, okay, you had, a, like Hugh Hefner. you had a kid when you were like 59. <laughs> That's, I don't know. The yeah. stuff that these old white men get away with playing superheroes <laughs> and we're, is we're, out of control. We're middle-aged, but I'm like, it's done. I'm, I've, oh, I've grown up with these people and now they can all retire. I... I am out of bounds even cosplaying. If right. I were to show up like dressed as a superhero, everyone's going to be like, nah, get those pajamas out of here. <laughs> this is not fun to see. Yeah. Or, or they'd say like, maybe you should have uh, manscaped better. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Last time, yeah. I don't think we mentioned that our promo code, FIC20, gets you 20% off. Oh, we just said the code. At manscaped. We yeah. just said the code. So- for those of you who want to know, <laughs> I'm Mike DeStacy, host of First Issue Club, mandatory ad copy for Manscaped. Uh, and Manscaped is a fantastic product. I, for one, 
never really shaved or manicured my pubic area. And upon getting the 4.0, the man's, what's it, uh, lawnmower. The lawnmower, yeah. Lawnmower 4.0, which they graciously sent us. Mm-hmm. I went straight to my kibbles and bits mm-hmm. and trimmed them down. My wiener's looking bigger than ever. And my balls got shaved clean without a single nick. You know what I realized about our copy on this? Because uh, I've heard a lot of other people kind of do this. We're kind of the only ones that talk about how big our penis now looks after doing it. Yeah. But it's, that's that's just the honest type of truth you get with First Issue Club is that... It's what everyone's too afraid to say. Yeah, we... They don't want to admit that their penis we, is mid-sized to small. Yeah, exactly right. And if you're trying to get as much extra <laughs> <laughs> visualization for the ounce... Right. You're going to want to trim the hair back a little bit because it does wonders for your curb appeal. (laughs) (laughs) This is really the copy that Manscaped should have been supplying people because that's at least our audience. (laughs) Yeah. So head over to Manscaped's website, enter the promo code FIC20 to get 20% off the lawnmower 4.0 and shave your pubis just (laughs) like First Issue Club. Hell yeah, we got the ad in early. Ad done. Done. I'll also note, First Issue Club, while we're here. Thank you, yeah. Brought to you by Boulevard Brewing Company. Oh, yeah. Our our local Kansas City brewer that is distributing everywhere in America provides great beer, including Space Camper, the official beer of First Issue Club, a delicious IPA that fuels our nerd conversations week to week. Yep. I would. I don't recommend you going to work without... Couple space campers in you. <laughs> so every meeting, you're just gonna want to chug one down. You're gonna go in with such great confidence. You're yeah. gonna wow your boss. Wow, he was he was unhinged, but I liked it. That's what they're gonna say. It's really about gonna you be the edge the, you need. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're too shy to speak up. Don't worry about it. Pound a space camper, and then you've got a you. new Imperial IPA that's really good. Mm-hmm. He's, they they sponsor our podcast with this beer because it's kind of like comic book theme. Right, yeah, yeah. And the Imperial IPA is like and the bad guy, highest ABV, just came out recently. And the art is just awesome. Yeah. Solid. Fun, fun art, too. They kill it. Yeah. All right, back to comics. Wow. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike Mignola? 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 What's his first name? Mike. Yeah. yeah. Mike Mignola. We should know that. He but shares Budget King's name. real name is Mike and... Your he's, name is Mike. He's back doing a comic, first one since 2016, which I hadn't realized. Oh, people have just been taking his uh, his story world and well, that's the interesting. That's the interesting thing. So he apparently ended the Hellboy story with Hellboy in Hell. Oh, and he said, as far as he's concerned, the character's done there. Okay, and then other people have been writing these Mike Mignola uh, comics for the past five years, and. I, I honestly had no clue he wasn't a part of him. <laughs> Obviously, he does like covers and stuff because sure. you walk by and see his art all the time on the shelves. But pretty exciting. Uh, it's in, in the Hellboy universe. So it's going to take place with some characters that got left in hell during that Hellboy in Hell finale. So um, a place to pick up in the official storyline of Hellboy. It's back and in full effect. Hell yeah. He's Main a, line. Yeah. He's a he's a rad dude. I'm glad I'm glad that's coming on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I also want to talk about 
four new DC Ooh, titles that got announced. This this got me going. This was exciting. This is exciting. There's a lot of creators we like doing new DC titles. So mm-hmm. Batgirl. I believe, was it not called Batgirls? Batgirls, plural. You're right. It is Batgirls. So we've got a handful of the homies. Oh, yeah. And uh, club favorite Becky Cloonan is writing on it, although she's also a great artist. Yep. So that is probably the crowd pleaser of, of all of this. Yep. Really excited to read that. World of Krypton is written by Robert Vendetti. We talked to him a couple months back about his bad idea book, Tankers. He's probably most well known for writing surrogates. Yeah. And he just wrote that um, other Superman book uh, that's like Christopher Reeves era. Okay. It's like 70s Superman. Um, but in any case, World of Krypton is going to be like the days or weeks leading up to the destruction of Krypton before, cool. you know, Kal-El gets sent off. So that should be interesting. Swamp Thing, Green Hell, great title. Uh, but Jeff Lemire is writing it, who is also on our book uh, Primordial today. Yeah. And I, when I think about Swamp Thing, I think about like prolific artists like Brian K. Vaughn. Uh huh. Um, and uh, <laughs> Alan Moore. Uh, so I'm excited that Swamp Thing's going to get. And I think uh, Rom V was doing it for a minute too. Yeah, so, so, he was. So really great it, writers on. It is a book that's like, although you don't think of it as like a headlining major title, it it is a prestige sort of thing that they give to like writers who are a little more heavier in right. the in the noggin era area. So. Not that our other creators aren't. <laughs> and maybe to their detriment sometimes these creators are a little too thinky, but they're the types that typically get the swamp. Green books. Green Garden Man needs a thinking guy. This is gonna be a black label book. Duh. So thank we can God. get we can get weird. Thank God. Yeah, finally some swamp thing dick. This is why we put hell in the cover. Yeah. Uh and one star squadron is written by Mark Russell. Who we are sending a first issue club plaque to, if you were reading, uh, listening to us last week. So be excited for that, Mark Russell. One Star Squadron is a play on All Star Squadron, and uh, these are like D list superheroes who are having to do like cameos and birthday <laughs> party appearances to get money. They'll like do anything for money. I can't wait till Mark gets his plaque. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about this week? Yeah. We kind of mentioned Brian K. Vaughn in Swamp Thing, but did you realize that Why the Last Man dropped this week with three episodes? No. Oh, three episodes, really? Yeah. Hulu and Fox or whatever it is. All right. However you consume your Fox. Um, So famously, that book had been done in like the early 2000s. That sounds right. And it was one of my favorite, although I have to attest, I've not read it in like 10 years. Same. So I, I can't tell you hardly a lick about it. It's been that long. I um, lo- remember emotionally loving it, but yeah. I would recommend it to a couple of people and they would say it was great, but it was dated. And I was like, really? Huh? And I kind of went back and checked on it. And there's like a thing where like Yorick, who's the main character, mm-hmm. at one point in time he says to a girl like, hey, it's so cool that. A, that a girl like you is into David Bowie. <laughs> so he has some kind of like uh, like nerd lines that didn't age well yeah. that were like very like of the early aughts era. Yep. So I've 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 heard or um seen talked about that they've they've aged this up well. 
Good. They've made it in the 20s era. They gave Yorick a trans friend uh, character, which cool. like trans representation was like okay in Why the Last Man, but it's I'm glad it's more prominent here. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm really pumped about it. And I don't know if you knew this, but Why the Last Man was a fan favorite of David Lindelof, uh, the uh-huh. Dave Davids that wrote on uh, Lost. Right. And so Brian K. Vaughn got to write an episode of Lost, or a couple of episodes no of kidding. Lost. And there's a an ode to like Agent, I forgot, is it Agent 365? I forgot the agent's name. Yeah. But the that. weapon that Ben uses is like a nod to Why the Last Man. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and so. That's uh, funny. Yeah. So there's like, there's a little bit of like, you know. TV writing in Brian K. Vaughn's blood, and yeah. obviously, I hope that he's still being associated with this in some way. I love that. When I was, when I saw the commercials for Why the Last Man starting to play, I was like, "Okay, it's at at one point in time, this was a a story that like was really relevant and people wanted to hear." But in 2021, you're like. Oh, the, it's the end of the world, and we're focusing on like this one man <laughs> left who, in the comics, I don't know what his ethnicity was in the. Com- I think he's like a white dude named in the York. comics, but I remember him as a white guy who liked to do magic. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, is this the story we really want to hear? Like now, um, so with, with I, his monkey, very I, friends. I love hearing that they are putting tr- trans people and. All kinds of other representation in the show. I've been watching Charmed lately. Oh, cool. CW show. And they've got a handful of trans cast members that pop in and out of the show. So um, while while it's a corny CW show, it, it gets major props for me just from including like diverse people and giving actors a chance. And also, too, I haven't gotten it. To Brian K. Vaughn's like credit, I think early on, like, I don't think that book could be written now by a dude. It would be really weird. Yeah. Um, but when he went on to do Saga um, and he was working with... Um, Fiona Staples. Fiona Staples. He was like... I saw him at cons twice and he was just like, this book is Fiona Staples. Like, I literally hardly tell her anything and uh-huh. she just like goes nuts on it. Like, this is literally her book. That's great. Um, and like was kind of just paving the way to like always like push her up front. Uh-huh. Um, so... You know, at least he's like self-aware. Yeah, in some ways. And it's not like he's the only guy who ever wrote a comic about, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, a, a lead male for sure. That like it's it's all comics have been for the most part for fifty years, and we're finally getting to uh, more diverse stuff. And he's doing more diverse stuff now. So so great. Oh yeah, great. Um, that's a lot of news. We had even other news, but let's just get to the the damn books. They're burning holes in my heart, <laughs> and I want to get them out. Ouch! Ooh, I think we're gonna start with Primordial. Let's do it. The Jeff Lemire book. Yeah. Um, this book, the logline: What if the animals sent into space during the space race had survived? We're talking about the uh, Russians, I believe, sent a dog into space, and then the Americans sent a couple apes into space. This is like a trivia thing that you'd go to a bar and hear like a a trivia. Asking for like the names or what kind of animals. Yeah, or did they like come back alive or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's in my mind, I'm always like, did we actually do that? I know that actually happened. Okay. I mean, yes, I assume that it it did, but it's one of those things where it's like, is that urban legend? (laughs) It's so (laughs) weird. It's so fucked up to think you would send like a living creature who was like, 
lovable like a dog or a monkey or like at least like even like semi-intelligent. Right. Couldn't we send like a fucking crab or a fish up first? <laughs> I guess they wanted to send something like as biologically close sure. to us as possible. Yeah. But that just, it seems so cruel. It, yeah, totally. So, I mean, it doesn't just seem cruel. It is cruel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I feel like if our country hasn't issued like a formal apology to like an animal rights organization or just like, hey, just shout out to the animals out there. We love you. Well, I, honestly, PETA should cons- make a conspiracy to make this happen again mm-hmm. because they would be flooded with money if oh. this were like about to, if NASA was about to send another monkey up. For sure. They would be like, oh my God, PETA. <laughs> so you're saying they stage yeah. that Elon Musk is sending an animal to space or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just pay their bank, their, uh, 401ks for the rest of life. It might be safe now, and maybe a dog has a hell of a time in space. <laughs> no could... no dog wants to go to space. That's like a dog accidentally eating a weed brownie. I like see, They're not going to have a good time. I see dogs in space having a better time than cats. Okay. Yeah, that's a low bar, though. Best time in space? Hedgehogs. <laughs> oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I guess. They seem to be kind of discontent wherever they are. Yeah. You're thinking like Sonic... No, I'm thinking real hedgehogs, not the cartoon ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sonic. Not the talking kind. No. Oh, okay, not the blue kind. The animal. Not the really fast kind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, super, the super cute pocket animals. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Now I can picture it. Yeah. Great. I'm glad we're on the same page. <laughs> Essentially, this book starts out with like a doctor who's been brought in to like salvage the space program for like parts that can be used for the military. Right. Where they're like, we beefed it. Space isn't going to work out for oh, Earth. And the way that, that young Jeffrey writes this was really well done. This was actually like, I had set myself up for such an emotional journey because the book that he, the first issue he had last week that we covered, May's book, was so heavy and sad. Yes, yeah. And this book was just like a great sci fi thriller. Two Jeff Lemire books back to back. I know, crazy, right? And On this, different publishers. Right. And this certainly was. Here's the thing, though. If you're a political thriller fan, like, and you can take your fantasy dose and suspend disbelief, like, you'll love this book. And I think it's a short run, too, so it's going to be an easy book to... Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I feel like I even saw the number, like it was five issues Uh, or something. Maybe six or something like that. Yeah. Although the book turns into, like, conspiracy theory, and at times I was like, is this, like, watered down Department H? Like, oh, Department of Truth. Department of Truth. I'm sorry. Yeah, Department of Truth. Yeah. Your Matt, uh, Matt Kent, Jeff Lemire's <laughs> great friend and writing partner. The Department H. Wrote Department H. Yeah, Department of Truth, the the Tianyin book. Yeah. Um, and I, it's not fair for me to say watered down, but it does have like hints of like truthful conspiracy theory space like stuff that's happening and then in this world. But it does have like a little bit of a crime thriller part, which I think is just a narrative device to hook you in more to the story. Yeah. Because it also, we find out that the animals are caught like around still and able to kind of like do, uh, be a little bit more sentient actually. Yeah. So the spoiler at the end of this book is that the, the world has been told that these animals died in space. Mission was a failure when in reality, they went up into space and essentially disappeared, and they were still getting life readings from them. So something had taken them. Some artif- uh, 
not artificial intelligence, some alien life form. Yeah. I don't know why I conflated AI with <laughs> alien. I, there's aliens in the movie AI. Oh, there we go. Uh, worst ending of any movie ever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we find out that the dog that the Russians sent up can like telepathically communicate mm-hmm. and speak English. I, I and wonder, the, and the apes. I'm assuming are gonna have the same, be in the same situation. I wonder if uh, Mark from Blink 182 was onto this one too. <laughs> he's, he, I don't think I know that much about this, but he's famously like a conspiracy theory nut job, right? Okay, here's the thing about that though is that, and I also don't know a lot, but my understanding is that he was saying all these crazy things. That like the government knew, and then they kind of released it and said like, yeah, it's essentially true. Uh-huh. So like, essentially like he was right. Yeah, is I think kind of the headline there. So I now get my news from Blink One, at least government news from Blink One Eighty Two. Wow, Mark Hoppus though covering from cancer though, so I'm not gonna shit on Blink One Eighty Two. Ah, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I always confuse Mark and Tom. I don't know the difference. One had bangs and one spiked his little hairs up. Oh, and I don't know which one was the alien guy. I may have said it wrong. I know it's not Travis. Travis is the tattoo guy. He's, yeah, he's now the producer. Okay. There we go. We did our blink shit. We did primordial. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of it, right? Yeah. It's like, it's a, it, here's the thing it's a Jeff Lemire book. It's historically based in some stuff. It yeah. goes crazy. It's also conspiracy. You cannot go wrong with this book. Oh, the art is like, phenomenal like almost it's like kind zine. of photoreal in sections you know what it actually reminded me of was like um print work like uh screen printing yeah like it almost looked like it was like wood etched <laughs> at times uh-huh um and it, yeah it was like the duotone uh dot printing yeah. looking thing and it, and it did look like certain scenes they like xeroxed actual pictures of monkeys and then transposed them into other illustration so it has like a zine feel it to does. it yeah which is very different for i mean image does do independent things but different for like a big book on image yeah. to have gone that direction and the the colors are sparse a little bit when when they're used they like really pop and stick out so it was a cool visual experience there's some trippy things going on so if you're kind of like into those headspacey comics, like this could also be just in a book to own for the art yeah. for that audience. I'll say too that I want to mention it like that our I think our lead is like just an interesting character. Oh, totally. That's like a professor who kind of is asking too many questions to the wrong people and then gets pulled aside by someone in the know. No, what they what they should have done is given this book a a shit ton of like action homage VHS covers, and then it would be the better version of Stray Dogs. Because this is an actual comic you should read. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if most of the people who buy Stray Dogs covers are even reading that book. Did you see what they did with the trade paperback this week? I don't think so. It has like 12 covers. Uh, Trade has 12 covers? Yeah, one's like a Goosebumps cover, which did look kind of cool. Come on. But it's just like, oh my gosh. We got to draw a line somewhere, people. Yeah, let's get into Maw. Jude Ellison S. Doyle wrote this book with A.L. Kaplan doing the work. Yeah. For uh, art. And this is on Boom, which um, we've talked about, but Boom does a really good job of promoting and getting their books out and uh, clearing the way... They kind of almost do this thing where the opposite of what Image does, where it's like they're very picky about what they do. And so when a boom, That's book, a, good point. a boom book drops, you know to it's look at it. It's going to be good, yeah. Yeah. And you know that they're like 
tagline is kind of like something to the effect of like comic books should be for everyone and I'm going to butcher it but they're like they they try to push this idea that like comic books should be every, like everybody should read them and they should be an entry space for everybody so Good job on Boom in that way. Salute. Yes. Fuck the comic book gatekeepers. Exactly. Right up their butts with my middle finger. <laughs> so uh, Jude, I don't believe, has written a comic before. Okay. Was not familiar with them. Um, but I checked out their kind of authorship and Twitterverse stuff and very prolific um, in th- this like same kind of genre that this book is in. Yeah. And lots of art, tons of articles published. Very like a, a, a great like writer in general. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love when that happens, when somebody who is really good at writing comes in and is like, yeah, I'm going to write a comic book. Yeah. Because uh, that's that's awesome. It's high art. You wouldn't know this was this person's first comic. It, no. It read like so easy. You know, like a lot of times when someone enters the medium, they're either too wordy or over explain things. Right. And you're like, hey, the pictures do that work. We don't need all the exposition Wolf, where, in the Werewolf world. at Night. You remember that book? Which yeah. is, by the way, popping off. Really? Yeah, because there's going to be some Marvel cinematic like like a, even like a cartoon halloween cartoon oh it, funny or whatever anyway uh but uh yeah the black ip author of that taboo book, yeah that. yeah was writing essays for us um that doesn't happen <laughs> in this book this book is like quick in and you're i was hooked like honestly from the first page i w- i hadn't even read a description of this book and Same. i was like fuck yeah okay Same. i'm like i I'm had in no news. preconceived notion of what it was and immediately I was like, "Oh shit!" It's got a, it's kind of has an ominous feel. Yes. Throughout, before the story, kind of takes a sinister turn. That I don't know, just played so well. It does. It it has like a horror feel to it. Certainly. And the, the the interesting thing is that this book itself doesn't necessarily give you anything that's like sci-fi. Yeah. But I believe from a sin i read a synopsis of this like a week or so ago and i believe that it gets a little more like direct horror sci-fi in the coming issues okay that so, um i don't know some maybe that helps some and, people and, and we pull get, the trigger we, on buying it we get an allusion to that at the end there is yeah, so we haven't even right. really, really talked about what happened no, there's <laughs> a lot to talk about yeah. in this I, I think the elements of this book to note are there are there is like a I don't even know what you call it, but a retreat that's like feminist oriented. Yeah, and should we maybe maybe even give like a trigger warning for sexual assault? Stuff? Oh, there's very much like so yes. If you don't want to hear about it, turn the podcast off. Right, um, and don't read. I I mean I guess yeah, don't read this book as well uh, because it's it, it deals it, with sexual assault and right? it happens very quickly yeah. and it's there's not a lot of warning, um, which is it it's appropriate and it it deals with it very professionally right um and so uh so okay so there's the cult that that happens and then there's sexual assault and there's here's the other thing well is it a i don't know that we're given like like i said ominous oh sorry it's i I shouldn't have called it a cult it's not necessarily a cult i you the the ominous feel of the book gives you the vibe that (laughs) something's not quite right right but it's it's in this issue at least only presented to you as a like feminist women's retreat that is focused on empowerment and resolving your issues and 
Um, it has like a little bit of, of like stuff. this show that's the Nine Perfect Strangers, <laughs> that like is a uh, a Nicole Cole, Nicole Kidman, uh, like is like. I, I, I just think like that show. in White Lotus, like there's like these oh, White this, Lotus, yeah. There's like this like retreat thing going on right yeah, now. Right. <laughs> it's in the ether. It's in the air. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so there is that, and then there is a large feminist undertone to the point that when sexual assault happens and they write about it from the victim standpoint, I was like, "Fuck, that is true." Like it was sad and like very like emotional, but like it never hit you over the head, and it made me think like. This is how a book that's trying to make a point even about issues that are gendered or feminists or female in, in any way should do it. That's such a good point about this book because I've read essays on subject matter like this. And this book did such a good job of making you at least understand some aspects of the place a woman can be with sexual assault right like i was like holy shit this whacked me upside the head it's one of those things that like i have a hard time with rape stuff same and i think if you're a sane person if you, you should, should. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 important i think to read these things and hear these stories one so people like that I guess there's an experience with empathy, perhaps, if you've been in that situation and you're seeing it play out. and um, Or if you haven't been in those shoes and you want to understand somebody who has been in those shoes. Like, this does, a, I feel like, a great job of helping you be empathetic towards these people and, like, the awful situations that they're put in that you say, like, you know, why didn't you go to the police? It's just, like, not that easy. And a lot of times, sometimes going to the police can be like awful for some people. It like, I, you know, I've, I'm sure you've heard horror stories too about people who go to the police and are like essentially like made fun of and like called names oh, yeah. and like all kinds of awful stuff. Or they're sexually assaulted like at a police office. Like <laughs> it's, it's fucked up some it, of the, it, yeah. the stuff that and, happens. And the point that they make in this too is that. The victim had previously been a victim of sexual assault. Right. There was a video of it, and the another character says, like, oh, but, you know, they they found them to be guilty. And the victim says, like, there was a video of the rape. There was never a point where they weren't guilty. Yeah. I was on trial to see if it was a bad offense or not. Right. Like, if it was, it was some, like how bad it was or something like that. It, right. it, they wrote it more poetically than I'm saying it, but it like, it really put it well, into the perspective. Idea of, like she, like our care, our lead in the story got dragged and terrorized for longer than the people got sentenced in jail for right. the crime. Right. That like her repercussions and like her harassment she's experiencing because of this has outlasted these people's jail time. So what I hope this book turns into and maybe it won't because it's also making a point is some type of revenge because there's a lot of revenge that needs to happen. Uh, you really want it. Yeah. When reading this and book. And maybe it doesn't because that's more realistic, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but you, as a reader, you're just like, man, I want to punch some people. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. So, yeah, 
I hope that revenge happens. It seems it's a great setup anyway. It's a good horror book, and the characters and emotions were dealt with. I can't. I actually have nothing bad to say about this book. It was uh, it was wonderful. We had two great books. This agreed. And I always worry talking about these things because I'm like, I as a man <laughs> just like can't do it justice. Right. And and I feel like I'll never live up to. <laughs> like trying to telegraph to you like what the book was or how good it was or the point it was trying to make. I also so I would really say read it for yourself if this sounds like even an iota interesting. I guarantee you the book itself is a million times better than our conversation right. about the book. And I don't ever want it to seem like this book is like taking your medicine. This book was very entertaining. Sure. Like, it, as far as like comics go, this was like a treat to read. And it's like it scratches that horror itch and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. So it's like, it's kind of everything. And I actually want my books to get into subtle political commentary. Uh-huh. So this is was right up my alley. Yeah. yeah. Agree. Pick of the week. Of the week. I'm calling it. Oh, yeah. Which is good. The, Primordial was tough competition. So this got pick of the week. Yeah. Good job, Ma. You did it. Good job, Ma. <laughs> Stick that mop your craw. <laughs> Backwards. Wham. <laughs> yeah, it's not an Brought A lot of striking covers. I'll say that Boom is doing more and more variant covers, and I think there were a lot of retailer exclusives for this, too. But a lot of the covers I saw online ripped. Oh, yeah. But the it, A cover, I think, was my favorite. I love the A cover. That's one I ended up buying. It is magnifique. All right, we're uh, on the Patreon. We're not totally sure what, what we're getting into. Uh, we read a couple other books. The Behemoth book. Yeah, Nobody's uh, Child was the name of the Behemoth book. And then uh, Vampirella's got a whole new Vampirverse. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to get into that. And then I read the Harley Quinn cartoon sequel. Oh. It's well. called like Eat, Bang, Kill. <laughs> and it follows Harley and Ivy on a road trip. Yeah, and they're making out on the cover. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so follow us on the Patreon. Join us there. Support us there if you want to. Otherwise, do your thing. Bye.